everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, a podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is Likes the Spoopy Season Jonathan Strickland. When it's cold and lonely in the deep dark night, I can see paradise by the dashboard light. That, the uh, oh, I'm sorry it's cold and lonely for you in the deep dark night, Jonathan. Yeah, you know, it's spooky season. Kind of goes with the territory. Just, you know, gotta, yeah. you, you, you got to do what you can and let Mother Nature do the rest. Is, are you still quoting Meatloaf? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's still from, I mean, Paradise by the Dashboard Light is a song that's like eight minutes long. You can, you can quote from it a lot. <laughs> yes, that, I mean, that is true. I, I can't quote from it a lot because though I've listened to it a few times, I have retained little to none of it. But um, well, don't worry. Next karaoke night, I'll make sure to treat you to a full rendition. Usually Lucas ends up uh, getting up there and singing the the leading female role. So Lucas and I just rock out to Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, And I'm also looking forward to the spoopy season. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us through our our few um, uh, scheduling, I guess, uh, hiccups as as Jonathan and I have been out of town and, and, you know, it would not be a spoopy LNC season if we weren't dealing with technical issues. So this episode's coming out a little late or yeah. a little early. I was lost at sea. You were because of hurricane Ian. Uh, and I was out of town and I'm about to be out of town too. So this episode was supposed to come out last week when all of this news broke. Uh, instead it's coming out a little bit later, but like I said, whether you consider it a little late, or a little early, it's glass half full because we'll be back on schedule after this week. <laughs> yeah, at least until the next holiday mucks things up again. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Thanksgiving. Uh, so one thing we definitely wanted to touch on was that, you know, as part of spoopy season, we don't have a mashup for this episode. We have way wow. too many news items to cover. In fact, we don't even know if we're going to get through all of them. So we didn't do a mashup, but we do hope to do some uh, spoopy mashups for the rest of the month if we can, mm-hmm. because we both love Halloween season, although uh, Ariel loves it from more of a distance than I do, because <laughs> she's got a lower threshold for the spookies than I do. That's true. I like I, I'm growing. I like suspense and I'm I'm learning to like some more scary stuff uh, through fictional podcasts or like I recently watched it and I've watched cabin in the woods and both of those are extremely scary but i made it um (laughs) but the more slasher stuff is definitely not my cup of tea i don't like halloween i don't like freddy krueger um and like so the first two scary movies i ever watched in fifth grade were uh nightmare on elm street and the candy man um which i was like my if you've listened to this show long enough i'm sure i've told this story before because this is how much it stuck with me my parents said we'd prefer you not to but because you asked we're gonna let you and I did, and I regretted it. And now I can look back and and at least see the commentary, like the social commentary that Candyman was trying to do and appreciate that, even if the movie genre doesn't sit well with me. But like, I don't like Nightmare on Elm Street. I like Stranger Things season four, which has a lot to do with Nightmare on Elm Street. And I love Robert England. He, is, he has always been very sweet to me whenever I've crossed his path at Dragon Con. But golly, those movies, they just... My my suspension of disbelief is is too mighty. 
Yeah. Well, well, it, it's also a very odd franchise because like a lot of franchises, it starts one way. And then as you get into later entries in the series, it starts to change. And so like the very early Nightmare on Elm Streets were more straight up horror. And then as you go on there, there's more and more humor inserted into them to the point where some people complain that Freddy turns into kind of a cartoonish character. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also not huge on slasher movies simply because I don't find them very compelling. Uh, I do like the original Halloween where the fact that, you know, next to nothing about the, the shape Mike, Michael Myers, as he goes through and starts to uh, kill people, uh, plays a big part in the the terror. Um, mm-hmm. And in subsequent movies, they try and explain more and more, which to me takes away the scary factor that works so well in the first film. Uh, so slasher films in general, I think they're tough to do and pull off in a way that's really intriguing. I like movies where the uh, the tension gets turned up and that you're just waiting for that release and you don't know how when it's going to come. You don't know how it's going to manifest. Those to me are the really effective ones. So like the horror movies I love uh, are ones like The Changeling, which mm-hmm. I think I've talked about before. The first two thirds of The Changeling are a brilliant ghost movie and the last third goes way the heck off the rails. <laughs> um, the uh, the witch or the Vavitch, if you prefer. <laughs> I like I like I like that one a lot. I think that movie is astounding in the way it deals with tension. So those are the kind of movies that resonate with me the most. I, I like a good cheesy horror movie, too. Like the 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 movies I think of as a kid that kind of introduced me into horror are things like uh, The Gate, which never seen it was that that one was made for, I would say, like tweens like that was kind of the age group they were kind of aiming at um it was a canadian film as i recall and it is got got some really freaky imagery in it i'll never forget the eyeball in the palm of the hand of one of the characters yeah very creepy stuff but really effective but still kind of like kind of like twilight zone level of horror it doesn't get too intense but it's like it's really testing limits for like a, a a teenager's boundaries for that kind of thing yeah uh, that was one that i really loved and then like gremlins which was really more of a horror comedy i, I have seen i have seen gremlins i can handle that one although i still get yeah. scared by like jurassic park and jaws which are not classic horror movies no, no jaws is my favorite film of all time I, jaws I is like my number one favorite film but, uh of all time but i mean part of it so like i I am happy to do scary season mashups. Uh, I might need to cliff notes the <laughs> the movies instead of watching them or have you, as you have offered before, to write me a synopsis that I can then uh, telephone my synopsis off of. Uh, because in addition to just being a scaredy cat, I get sleep paralysis. And so like that combination of uh, thinking things might actually happen with not being able to move certain times at night <laughs> is not a good combination. Yeah. So for those who who have never experienced it or aren't familiar with sleep paralysis, uh, this is a phenomenon that happens when your brain and your body are on two different schedules when it comes to waking up and like parts of your brain are starting to become more aware, but not the parts that are in charge of doing things like 
making your limbs go all over the place and move <laughs> on your own accord. So you're laying there and you have some level of alertness, but you're incapable of moving. And frequently sleep paralysis, not always, but it frequently can be accompanied by hallucinations. That's because it, it usually uh, edges right up against your REM sleep, which is when you dream. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So have you experienced that? Have you experienced the hallucination aspect of sleep paralysis? Yeah. The, the first time I realized what was going on, um, uh, it was, it was as like a teenager adult. Um, a lot of times sleep paralysis, they say people don't get it often. I, I get it not all the time, but I would say more often than I'd like. Um, it's not just a once or twice occurrence for me. Um, the first time I had it, I was like a young adult teenager and I was laying in bed and I heard a loud drum crash in an apartment where there were no loud drums or anything that can make a loud drum crash. And everybody was asleep and, uh, it was so vividly real, and, and, but there are times like I will see things out of the corner of my eye. Um, the other night I had, I've had like a run of sleep paralysis just recently where I'll hear like skittering or, um, someone calling my name and it's again probably just it is certainly just like the tail end of maybe a dream I'm having but I'm also aware that I'm awake and I can't or I think I'm awake and I can't move and it's just it's really uncomfortable nowadays I can usually say oh this is about a sleep paralysis but still that inability to move and that inability just to double check that that's what's happening uh is still very um anxiety driving. Yeah. Uh, I've only experienced it really once and it was when I was recovering from COVID. So I was, um, I was hanging out in the very room I'm in now, my office, I was quarantining myself from my dog and my wife, uh, to make sure I didn't get either of them sick. And so I was spending all my time in my office, which has a bathroom attached to it. So it wasn't the worst <laughs> thing in the world. Thank you for but the it, clarification, it, Jonathan. <laughs> Well, because otherwise, you know, there's a corner yep. I just don't go <laughs> yep. into anymore. The corner. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, but there's also like a little futon in my office that is one of the most uncomfortable pieces of furniture I own. Uh, but it also had to, had to serve as my bed for that, that like 10 day period where I was sick. And there was one night where I woke up and part of it's that you know I wasn't in my normal bed. So that was playing a part. Part of it was probably because I was sick. But I woke up unable to move. And I had the sensation that there was a presence in the room with me, something looming just at the edge of sight, uh, which is interesting because a lot of sleep paralysis. Also, if you read up on historical accounts, uh, this is where you would sometimes hear it referred to as like a night hag mm -hmm. syndrome, where people would imagine uh, a witch like figure perched on top of their chest uh, this is also where some people suggest the the uh, concepts of succubus and incubus mm -hmm. came from. Uh, and there more recently have been suggestions that that sleep paralysis might play a part in certain people's uh, accounts of their experience of alien abduction, that kind of thing, that all of these could be different manifestations of the same basic physical phenomena. It's just that our experience is shaped based upon the time we are in mm -hmm. and the sort of things that we would associate with not being able to yeah. move. Thankfully, I've never experienced, knock on wood, uh, a, a witch hag sitting on my chest, sucking out my breath. Although I have experienced, you know, shortness of breath from 
just anxiety and not being able to move. It's always stuff peripheral. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's really interesting because this is something that feels very traumatic and like other than lack of sleep physically doesn't harm you at all. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it could like I, I assume if you had other underlying health conditions, it could be that kind of anxiety could pro- perhaps prompt something more mm-hmm. serious. But on its own, it's more of a uh an inconvenience and anything yeah. else. And it's something that can also convince you, even if you slept solidly all the way up to the point where you had sleep paralysis, it could convince you that, Oh man, I didn't get any sleep oh, last night. I feel so tired. Kidding. When you think you're like, I've been awake all night, but no, you've just constantly been in that state of like half awake. Ugh. But thankfully there are things you can do. If you have this issue and you weren't sure what it was, if you sleep on your side, you are less likely to get sleep paralysis. You can still get it. I can attest to that, but it's less likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't ever want to experience it again. And I hope that you don't either Ariel, that you, you, you are spared the experience and just have nice restful sleep. I'll take it. Uh, just like our listeners, our listeners are going to have a nice restful sleep as we go through news that they're already aware. of. Yes. So, uh, we hope this lullabies you to, uh, comfy time. Uh, although the first story, maybe not because a whole bunch of people are really upset at the super Mario trailer. Uh, Yeah. So I guess this is less news. And how do you feel about it? <laughs> right. So so in case you didn't see it, which I think is pretty low in the likelihood range, uh, it's a teaser that starts with uh, King Bowser uh, laying siege to a castle filled with uh, penguin like critters who then proceed to throw uh, snowballs ineffectively at him. And then the second half, really, it's not even half, like the last bit of the teaser has Mario waking up in the Mushroom Kingdom uh, and we hear a little bit of Chris Pratt's voice. And obviously when it was first announced that Chris Pratt was going to provide the voice for Super Mario and that we were not going to get like an over the top stereotypical Italian American accent as a result of that, there was a lot of backlash. Uh, and partly, I think, because Chris Pratt, there's this perception that he was being cast in every role in every movie. And so people were getting a little tired of that, uh, especially for like the animated stuff. Um, my reaction was, eh, I, I was never like super connected to the Super Mario franchise. I never owned a Nintendo entertainment system or Super Nintendo. So for me, it was just like, I wasn't likely to have seen this before knowing who was in it. I'm not likely to see it knowing now, except for the fact that like the supporting cast has got incredible voice actors. Yeah, in I mean, I guess that is one of the adult trusts. I also did not. I like I like. Mario and Super Mario and all that stuff. Um, I also didn't own a game system, though I've got so many of them now. Uh, but I would play like play Mario when I was with my friends or babysitting or things like that. And there are a whole bunch of people who are super into Mario lore and fan fiction. It's all over TikTok right now. Um, but I guess the all-star cast is like the biggest adult draw if you fall into the same camp as Jonathan and I. I don't know if it's enough of a draw, though. I am not upset by Chris Pratt's voice. Look, if Chip and Dale can sound like Andy Samberg and John Mulaney. I don't care if Mario sounds like a regular dude. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I feel pretty much the same way. I will say like the humor for the King Bowser segment in the teaser 
was cute. I thought it was very cute and it was the kind of thing that I found appealing. It's not the sort of thing I would ever go to the movie theater to experience. I could totally wait to watch it on streaming some point. I mean, if I had a kid, I'd probably bring them, but yeah, just for myself, it's not movie theater uh, worthy at this point. Uh, I will say I found it funny because yesterday I saw an article where they're like, look, if they could fix Sonic, they can fix Mario. And apparently they don't think his booty's juicy enough. So, <laughs> uh, I guess Mario needs to do more squats. <laughs> yes, uh, down those down those pipes. Talking about juicy booties. <laughs> our, our next news story involves two guys known for their juicy booties. Uh, so, one of the, the news items that broke while while we were gone, while while I was lost at sea, actually, uh, was that <laughs> Ryan Reynolds uh, did a, a cute little reveal video about Deadpool 3 talking about the challenges of creating Deadpool 3 particularly within the realm of the MCU because of course this is the first Deadpool movie to be produced with Disney owning Fox Mm -hmm. Studios so it changes things and he makes a joke about not having any ideas except for one which is to ask Hugh Jackman to come back as Wolverine and Hugh Jackman's passing by in the background he says sure I'll do it and is a cute little reveal. So that uh, ended up sparking a lot of crazy reactions from people who were overjoyed for the most part to hear that Hugh Jackman was coming back after having previously apparently retiring the role of Wolverine slash Logan in the 2017 movie Logan. I mean, people can be excited. I get that. But do people really want X-Men three to be in the MCU? Um. I mean, it's weird because like it because Wolverine, the character Wolverine has been in so many different movies spanning different versions of Mm X-Men that there's almost like a multiverse going on just in the films that Wolverine's been in. Right. I mean, heck, Deadpool showed up in a Wolverine movie already. That wasn't really Deadpool, though. I mean, it, it was Deadpool and name. It was played by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, a very different character. Like they took his mouth away, literally. Uh, so he couldn't be the Deadpool that we know and love and was very, very different from the character of the Deadpool movie. So I'm sure that they'll have a ton of fun with just that. Yeah. Like that alone would be. It. So I'm guessing there's going to be some multiverse shenanigans going on here maybe not maybe they will refuse to explain how it all worked out which i honestly think would also be really funny yeah if they if they don't explain it they're going to joke about not explaining it which is fine uh i will say that i am currently just because we don't have any information on deadpool 3 uh and 3 is usually where trilogies go off the rails uh i am while I'm not super excited about Deadpool three, I absolutely love the meta odd couple verse that they've created between Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to watch more of that as they start advertising the movie. <laughs> yeah. To see that kind of chemistry transition to a big on screen role would also be a lot of fun. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I've, I've enjoyed the Deadpool movies. Uh, I am very curious to see what a Deadpool movie in the MCU is going to look like if, if they're going to, to smooth out those edges, or is this just going to be one of the outliers? Like I expect blade to be a bit of an outlier mm-hmm. for MCU. I, I would not be surprised for Deadpool to also be an outlier. I agree. Although, you know, they did make a PG 13 
Princess Bride version of Deadpool. So it is possible. Yeah. Well, our next story is something where we also are kind of like a little, little confused about how this is going to play out, which is that uh, the Agnes Coven of Chaos series is still coming up. And we heard that Emma Caulfield, who was in WandaVision, she played Dottie, the kind of the queen bee woman of the neighborhood, sort of the perfectionist who judges everybody else. Uh, she shows up in Agnes as well, apparently. Yeah, so now uh, you and the rest of the internet can go back to your theories that she is really Mephisto. Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> like, we spent a lot of time doing that during WandaVision, didn't pay off, but maybe this time. Maybe this time. I um, I really like the character of Agnes. I it, Until the very end of WandaVision and then, like, MCU's chronic problem, the the. Fina- the resolution was lackluster yeah the big the big battle the big battles typically are the least least memorable things for me mm-hmm. because they they usually end up devolving into a cgi fest where it looks like it looks like the cut scene from a video game yeah um and yeah i i agree i think everything leading up to that moment was great and then the moment itself was typical MCU, which is not that it's bad. It's just not memorable. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah. And we're very curious to see, like, what is an Agnes series when you don't have Wanda? Because spoiler alert for those who have not seen Doctor Strange 2, she is indisposed, mm-hmm. possibly dead. Yeah. And also, like, Agnes in the comics, I know she had a bigger role, but a massive part of her role was training Wanda. So I guess maybe we'll get, we know there's a multiverse of Wanda's. Maybe we'll get a different one. Or maybe we'll get the same one. It'll turn out that she just kind of took a little time out under eight tons of rock Uh, to kind of, you know, regroup and, and, and rediscover herself. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And maybe if we get fights, they'll be better. Cause I do like the fights that were in Miss Marvel. And I like the fights that have been in She-Hulk thus far. So, um, maybe they're getting better, man. Looking forward to that resolution of She-Hulk. Let me Ooh, tell you. Oh boy, I just caught up last night. <laughs> I think we mentioned when in our our previous attempt, but failed attempt to record this episode, which we did try and do last week, y'all. It just didn't work out. Um, I think you and I mentioned like the only issue we have is come on, give Jen a win for goodness sakes. Yeah, well, n- <laughs> she deserves a win. I agree. Also, exception of this latest episode, uh, I feel like the episodes are a little short. I feel like they end in the middle of an episode. They don't resolve super well, but I, they are aware. Uh, that's all I'll say. I don't want to spoil or anything. I, they're aware of that. Uh, and it's a choice they make. So, <laughs> um. yeah, well, uh, moving on. The next bit we have is a story we added specifically for this week, yeah. which is that we got a release date for the next season of doom patrol, as well as, a ridiculous trailer for the season. This trailer for look, Doom Patrol is ridiculous anyhow. Yeah. Like this trailer is the penultimate. That's a word now of if it wasn't before of ridiculousness. I can tell you it wasn't before. Okay. Well, it is now your welcome English language. Uh it is this trailer is off the rails. Yeah, it's it's rare when you get a trailer where you have. It's hard to describe what they are, 
in a way that's not disgustingly awful. But I mean, when you see a bunch of essentially monsters singing a musical number from the Music Man, there's something special going so on. So we know what they are. They talked about it in season three. They have a name. I I I haven't seen season three. Well, then I won't say that name for you. Uh, but uh, yes, it's it's a monster that has come up a couple of times in Doom Patrol, and I feel like if they overuse it, it will no longer be funny. But you know, maybe this they, is... They haven't done it yet. They haven't done it yet. Yeah. And, uh, but it's ridiculous. Like, the entire thing looks uh, ridiculous. I'm very much looking forward to it. We're going to get most of Doom Patrol in... De- well, we're we're going to get some Doom Patrol in December and the rest in January 2023. And then, like, six more episodes later in 2023. So it sounds like they're doing a split season. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's great to see DC still support series like doom patrol and peacemaker where you've got these um these these characters that can have more humorous stories they still Mm -hmm. tend to have a pretty serious foundation like these are characters who are typically undergoing some pretty torturous personal growth and personal loss Uh, but you do have like these zany weird humorous things worked into it because that's something that's sorely lacking everywhere else in the DC universe. I agree. It's really interesting because the first time I watched through doom patrol, I'm like, this show is ridiculous and funny and going through and watching it again with friends, because many of my friends don't have HBO max. So we're doing kind of like a watch party thing. Um, now that we're getting to the lesser side of the pandemic, I guess going back and watching it, because I know where the humor is like, yeah, this, the show deals with a lot of trauma. It's got a really good balance of humor and serious, but there is a lot of serious in there. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I think they do a pretty good mix. All right. So, uh, on the lighter side, I guess maybe, maybe this will also be a good mix of humor and drama. Uh, Netflix has released the trailer for slumberland, uh, which is, about a little girl who wants to find her father and goes on adventures through uh, sleepy time. Uh, it's based off of like a very old French comic called little Nemo where mm. they'll put on like different animal skins and turn into different characters. Kind of like super Mario. Um, actually I've, I just found this out looking into it. There was a, a previous little Nemo adventures in slumberland movie in ni- 1989. Huh? Yeah. I hadn't seen that one. The, uh, this one has some interesting casting in it because you've got Jason Momoa, a.k.a. Aquaman, who's posing as a pan-like figure of chaos and fun, who is acting as sort of a guide for the young girl who's on this quest to to seek out her father. Yeah, the young girl is Nemo. It, honestly, it feels like the perfect casting choice for Jason Momoa. He is at least the public face that he puts on a lot of times is very fun and, and a little chaotic. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're actually calling her Nima in this version. N E M A. Yeah. Cause Nemo is uh, actually the father. So in this okay. case, Nemo had previously gone on adventures in slumberland. If I'm, if I'm interpreting the synopsis properly, and now he's gone and it's his daughter, Nima, who's seeking him out. Um, and uh, yeah, we also get like Chris O'Dowd, isn't it? He looks mm-hmm. and I love Chris O'Dowd. 
Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think of him from the IT crowd, but he's been in lots of stuff. And um, yeah, I'm hopeful that this will be kind of a fun family adventure film, almost like with little hints of Terry Gilliam style fantasy, like the kind of stuff you would see in, yeah. say, Baron Munchausen. Yeah, yeah, like Baron Munchausen meets bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah, yeah, like. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know I said, like, Super Mario, I probably wouldn't go to the theater unless I had kids. Uh, Slumberland I will watch, but it's also on Netflix, so it's a mm -hmm. lot easier for me to ingest. Uh, Netflix it was a little bit on a roll with their uh, child-friendly trailers because they also released one for Oni Thunder, Oni Thunder God's Tale. Yeah. Yeah, this one is a story that is clearly rooted in uh, like Japanese folklore and mythology. Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks absolutely adorable. Like you, you see shots of the main character sitting in a classroom with a bunch of other figures, some of which seem to be animal based. At least a couple seem to be vegetable based, uh, mm. but they're all anthropomorphic and yeah. All don't know studying. if any were mineral based. Uh, yeah, don't know. Maybe maybe Krug's in there. Krog's in there. Maybe uh, Krog. Korg. I'm made of rocks. Korg. Um, uh, maybe he's in there, but we don't yeah. know. Uh, but yeah, it's it, the trailer looks really charming, and uh, there's a lot of humor, like gentle humor, I would say, woven mm -hmm. into it. Yeah, it's it looks stop animation. I'm not sure if it actually is, but it definitely looks it. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's computer generated to make it look that way or it actually is stop motion animation, I'm not sure, but it definitely has that look. Yeah, I'm actually I, I, I might watch it. I honestly still don't know much about the story, but um, I'm sure we'll get at least another trailer if it's not already out. It might already be out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because it's been a long time since we tried to record this episode. So who knows? It it might have been out, been reviewed, got awards. We don't know. It's been too long. It's been too long. Uh, we also got a trailer recently for Velma, which we knew was going to happen. And we knew that they were going to. We I think we talked about it on a previous episode. Um, yeah, Velma being the character from Scooby-Doo. Yes. Uh, and that they were going to basically do like a adjusted scooby gang maybe before they were the scooby gang it's got uh fred and velma and daphne and then norville which apparently is shaggy's real name uh and they they are the the trailer is overtly aware about the changes they're making and the entire trailer is making fun of people who don't like changes in their original source material in a yeah. very very aware way yeah which yeah, I because, can like. Yeah, because this this Velma is, is brown. Yeah, she's South so that's, Asian. That's like the big joke. <laughs> yeah, and then Norville is is black. Um, and there's no Scooby in the series, uh, which is like all of my friends' biggest complaint is there's no Scooby. But it's not it's called Scooby-Doo. It's called Velma. So I'll allow it. Honestly, so it very much riffs on Scream, the original Scream, like the opening number, which was also very aware Right. Um, but I don't know if this new trailer in trying to do the same thing is so overtly aware that it's annoying or whether it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. I mean, I'm getting those Harley Quinn vibes and I enjoy Harley Quinn. So that is true. Yeah. Yeah. I also enjoy Harley Quinn. Um, I'll give it a shot. Uh, it's on HBO Max and I have HBO Max. So, yeah, if you want to watch it, keep an eye out. Uh, 
going back to Netflix again. Woo, like a boomerang. Uh, we also got a trailer for a new series called Blockbuster. Yeah, it's a sitcom and it's uh, hilarious because it's it's focusing on the final remaining Blockbuster video in the United States. Uh, Randall Park plays a uh, a character who's the manager of this Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa Fumero is in it. She was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's kind of about this this character that Park plays who has a genuine fondness for his workplace, it seems. Like, he, he takes pride in working at a Blockbuster, which is something mm-hmm. that all of his employees think is absolutely insane. Um, and yeah, it, I thought it was funny to see this. First of all, I thought the trailer looked really charming. It has kind of that same sort of goofy humor that Brooklyn Nine-Nine has. Which it's written um, by the people who did Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore. Yeah, so so it, you're getting what you would expect. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's funny because obviously like in the narrative of Blockbuster Video, Netflix is often pointed at as being the company that killed Blockbuster. Now, first of all, that's not really true. Blockbuster killed Blockbuster. Blockbuster made some really dumb choices. For example, they chose not to buy Netflix when they had the chance. But um, but it, I think it's funny because in the context of the sitcom, it's possible that Netflix will be pointed at as the bad guy mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was watching the trailer. I had some friends over the house when I was, and there's a, a moment where one of the blockbuster employees says, I've always thought of myself as a 40 something at heart. She's obviously much younger than, and my f- friend who just overheard it was very, very confused. <laughs> I said, I think she's mm-hmm. just, uh, discussing why she likes Blockbuster, even though she is technically too young to like Blockbuster. And it also injured me to my core. Yeah, I, um, I'll probably check this out because yeah. I like, I like the actors involved. The trailer I thought had some funny little bits in it. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and maybe say like, Oh, this isn't edgy or anything like that. And I totally get it. Those are legit criticisms. If you want your edgy comedy, this does not look like it's going to scratch that itch, but I'm my psyche is at a point where I kind of need a soft, fluffy comedy. (laughs) I agree. I agree. There's enough edgy out there. I like stuff that's just genuinely feel good. And um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Something else that Ariel's looking forward to. I know (laughs) because I tried to strike it off of our, (laughs) of our our show notes and she demanded I keep it on is that the folks behind the Lyle Lyle crocodile film are now apparently working on a movie musical adaptation of the classic computer game, Oregon trail. Yes. So if you aren't aware Lyle Lyle crocodile is a family movie about a, a crocodile named Lyle. It's a musical. It filmed in Atlanta. It just recently came out. Um, the team that is working on it says that they like Oregon trail because it's like, it's serious subject matter. Like the traveling, the Oregon trail was very dangerous, but they also think it's funny because of all the ways you could die in the video game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It was almost, you were almost guaranteed to die before you got there, which was reflective of the actual experience. Like a, a large percentage of people who set out along the Oregon trail did not make it. Uh, and yeah. so one of the if you've never played this computer game, especially like the classic Apple IIe version from back in the day, 
doing something as simple as trying to cross a river could kill you. Like you could break your ankle, get an infection and die. You could die of dysentery. You could, mm-hmm. uh, you could die from starvation. There were lots of ways to die. And it was all is mostly about resource management and making mm-hmm. good choices whenever you were presented a choice. But the problem was you weren't always sure which choice was the good one. <laughs> I mean, sometimes there aren't good choices, and that was reflective in the game, too. Uh, I actually have, like, an emulator for the original game, which you can get it, could get at Target a couple years ago. And I also have the card game uh, where you build the trail, and if you die, everybody gets to write your epitaph for you. Um, it's That's really, great. It's really funny. Um, it is interesting because I have seen – so there's this internet group called Mega64. Um, yep, yep. I'm familiar with them. Yeah, the – so if you watch like their series, it is definitely not for everyone. It's very low budget and it can have some pretty blue humor in it. But they did a bunch of shorts where they would just kind of go out and punk people in public, like acting out video games. And one of the video games they acted out was Oregon Trail. And it's so funny because they would just fall down dead in the middle of public and like have these diff- different things like died of snake bite, died of boredom, died of, <laughs> and they like acted out. It's very funny. Um, so if they do something similar in this movie and they make it a musical, it'll kind of be like a mix between mega 64 and cannibal, the musical. <laughs> wow. You, you just named two different comedy groups, both known for their very crude humor. Yes, um, but this won't be crude. It'll be family friendly. So everything I, I want in a rocket can. <laughs> I, I think I think what's, you know, like my first reaction of hearing turning Oregon Trail into a movie musical is to be incredibly skeptical. But then I think, dude, one of your favorite comedies is Clue, and that's based off a board game. Yeah, so it's brilliant. It is. It's one of the best. It's one of the best like farce comedies that I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I mean, but legitimately, if they can take. The humor that I've seen of people reenacting the Oregon Trail video game, mix it with music that is catchy and make it not super crude. That's I'm all for it. Cool. Well, uh, something that not everyone's going to be all for because there's some pretty tough age restrictions is being the next James Bond. So if you want to be James Bond and you don't happen to be British or 30 something, I have bad news for you. Because according to one of the producers, the next James Bond is going to be a 30-something James Bond. That also means that certain favorites, like fan favorite um, suggestions, are right out because they're either too young or too old. Like Idris Elba, Mm -hmm. sorry, you're not in that 30-something category. Or or this uh, same goes with, um, I almost said Daniel Ratcliffe, but that's not right. Uh, The guy who plays Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Oh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Yeah, because he's too young. Yeah. I mean, they have reasoning behind it. They want this James Bond to be in it for the long run. You know, they they want to get, I think, at least 10 movies out of the actor, which I don't know if the contract will require that or if that's just a, a stretch goal. I'm torn up that being 30 something means Harry Styles can't do it. I mean, I'm more for Idris Elba than Harry Styles, but. Oh, no, I'm like, if I can see him spit on more celebrities at public places, I'm all for I, it. That's really? I can't tell if no. you're joking or not over the internet. I, of course I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I got I got upset when Harry Styles showed up in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've largely not seen that 
I've only seen like tertiary bits of that drama. Um, but yeah, you shouldn't spit on fellow actors. You just shouldn't do it. You shouldn't spit on people. That's not nice. Don't spit well, on. People. Yeah, but we're not talking about spitting on people. We're talking about spitting on actors. Jonathan, I will reach through Act- this microphone and twink you. <laughs> To 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 quote Zero Mustel, actors aren't people. Have you ever eaten with one? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I wonder. What, is Richard Aoyadi? Is he in his thirties? There's no way you're going to get him as James Bond. Are you thinking of him as Q? Brilliant. No, I, he could just do both parts. Like they did it in Parent Trap. Um. I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's more of a Johnny English. That's like a Rowan Atkinson kind of thing. Uh, um, no, I, I, I think that's right out. I, uh, I don't really have a, I don't really have a dog in this fight, so to speak, because I'm only, I've only, I've only seen like maybe four or five James Bond films. They're just not for me. That's, yeah. I, I can appreciate the filmmaking that goes into them and the coordination that's required to create the stunts and all that kind of stuff. I just find it really hard to care about a spy who is so bad at his job that he introduces himself everywhere he goes. I mean, I get that. The old ones, like, there's some nostalgia there. They also really do not hold up. Um, no, they don't. No. As, well, particularly if you're viewing them through the lens of someone who, you know, values women as human beings, and, the old ones do not hold up. And a diversity of people as well, honestly. Um, yeah, right. Well, that wasn't right, James Bond's fault that was the movie maker's fault (laughs) well yeah because a lot of the bad guys ended up being you had a 50 50 shot they could be a an old white dude or it could be a person of color or that was kind of it could be an old white dude playing a person of color um that's also (laughs) true also also not okay um but I, i mean i really liked casino royale um which is one of the newer ones and then beyond that i kind of i fell off if they can do something with the franchise and make it fresh and new and fun, I, I'll watch more. I, I like spy thrillers. So I, you know, I really don't like spy thrillers, but that being said, like I have watched say the mission impossible series and I can really appreciate what those movies are doing. And I actually find them entertaining when I'm watching. I just have no desire to ever go back and watch them again. So that is just I get I think it's just not my thing. So, again, it's not it's not a commentary on the quality of the movies so much as me recognizing that this is not hitting enough switches in my brain for it to really qualify as like, I got to see this. So, um, you know, hopefully whomever they get ends up being a spectacular choice for the role. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of interesting again, a lot of interesting uh, proposals from fans including people of color and, and women uh, as a potential James Bond. And I don't know if they're ever going to go that route. Like if they're ever going to take a step as far as say Dr. Who did, but you know, I mean, we thought they were in the last James Bond movie, but then she just ended up being uh, a bonus character essentially. Um, Yeah. Yeah. To just hit that unlock code. Yeah. But I, I think I read somewhere maybe it was just in a, in a, a rumor blog that they were not going to make the next James Bond a woman. Um, I, it, I, it would not shock me. I would be, in fact, I would be shocked if they did. I feel like that they're going to feel like that's just a step too far yeah. that, you know, especially the way that James Bond is typically portrayed as sort of this unfeeling womanizing 
kind of of character who uh doesn't let himself get emotionally close to anyone because whenever he does do that, they ultimately die in the next movie. So, yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of stereotypical, uh, Stephen King's come out with another story about a kid who goes to a fantastic land. <laughs> yeah. It's, it must be Tuesday. Uh, yeah. It's, um, uh, it's called fairy tale. And also you'll, you'll never believe this because this is really unusual for Stephen King too. Uh, it's already been optioned and uh, uh, put into production to make a film adaptation of this book. I mean, I do actually find it a little interesting because in my brain, as someone who is coming to Stephen King newly, right? Like Stephen King has been out since I was a child and I didn't read a lot of his stuff and I didn't watch most of his stuff. I didn't watch Stand By Me till the beginning of the pandemic. It was a great movie. Like in my mind, they don't make movies of his books until they are already a giant hit. And I just heard about fairy tale. So in my brain, it's not a giant hit yet. So for it to already be optioned for a movie is a little bit weird to me, even though I realize that it's not weird to the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is, this is not your typical Stephen King story either, right? This is not primarily a horror story the way most of the stuff we think of that Stephen King's written as it being horror, right? Mm-hmm. Like Stephen King's written, in other genres before too. It's not like he's only written horror, but that's why he's primarily known for. Um, And uh, this is not one of those. This is more of a, uh, you know, potentially somewhat dark fantasy, but a fantasy uh, story. So that will make it interesting as well, because I feel adaptations of Stephen King's work in general is real hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like the hits are great hits, but man, they're the misses are notable like and dark plentiful. Tower. Ugh. Uh, well, I, I have issues with the dark towers. I love the first four books in the dark tower and, series. And then I pretend it's, and then Stephen King got hit by a van and then he wrote himself in. Look, I, I understand. I haven't read them, but I've heard <laughs> enough people go off about the end of the series to understand. Yeah. I, 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 I probably wouldn't have worded it that way, but I probably would have thought of it that way. Um, I mean, Stephen King got into a, vi- like he, he was walking through some trails and he got hit by a van and got very seriously injured. And that's absolutely horrible. And thankfully, I think he's largely recovered now. It was a while ago. Yeah. But he did. Yeah. After, it was years and years ago. He yeah. did after the fact, write himself, Stephen King as a character into the Dark Tower series, which. Yeah. Like it, it gets about as Mary Sue as you can get right to write yourself into your own fiction. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he was already incorporating characters and, and landscapes from his other works mm-hmm. into the dark tower series. It was kind of this thought of a nexus. Yeah. We're getting off, off you, track here, but yeah, the, if you watch castle the, rock, the books, it's all about that nexus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the books, the books went off the rails, but the movie was even for a movie was a terrible adaptation, which is unfortunate because like I said, the beginning of that series, I, I really liked. Um, but there are other adaptations like Stand By Me, The Green Mile, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it, it Chapter One. <laughs> it Chapter One. Not so much It Chapter Two. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, the Tim Curry It series, which is not great, but is really entertaining. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would say like 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 the original Firestarter, the original Carrie mm-hmm. To some degree, the original Christine. These are all kind of fun adaptations. Misery. So yeah, Misery it, was a great it, movie, but it wasn't. It wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> no, but it was a great adaptation. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
The Shining, if you're if you're not a Stephen King purist and you you I'm talking about Stanley Kubrick's mm-hmm. The Shining was a great movie. Uh, Stephen King didn't like it because it was not a faithful adaptation of his book. Yeah. Um. I well, and like I even liked the first season of Castle Rock. The second season really went into the misery storyline, which again less for me. But the first season was very like spooky, supernatural, suspense ish. Very well done. Um, the first season. Mm. So. so we'll we'll have to see how fairy tale measures up in the great pantheon of Stephen King adaptations and whether or not it's going to be a uh, dream catcher, which is about as bad as you can get, <laughs> or if it's gonna be, I don't know, what would you consider to be the best of the Stephen stand King adaptations? I, stand by me. Okay. Stand by me, uh, mean, which was called the body when he, when well, he wrote the novella. And we are also getting another, we talked, we talked about it in previous episode. I think if we didn't cut it, we're getting another Stephen King adaptation, but as a TV show by the Russo brothers of talisman, which he co-wrote with a, another author, which is about a kid with a bad family life who goes on fantastical, scary adventures. So if you don't like one, maybe you'll like the other. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You'll have options. Uh, one of the next things we want to talk about. So we mentioned uh, the teaser trailer for Bones and All in a previous episode, but we got a, a longer trailer and this is the cannibal love story road movie is it- with Timothy Champagne Sh- Sh- Lane. Uh, Chalamet? Sh- Sh- Chamel- Chamelet. Uh, yeah, uh- him. So it's interesting because, yeah, I watched the beginning of this trailer and I was like, Jonathan, why are you making me watch this? This is so scary. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, it's cannibals. I don't like cannibal stories. Um, and then I was like, is it zombies? Is it cannibal? I don't know. Because it's but it looks more interesting than it ought to be. <laughs> to uh, it, it's 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 interesting because the teaser gave it more of like a teenage angsty romance movie mm-hmm. with really downplayed the cannibal part. Whereas the trailer really focuses on the cannibal part. Yeah. Uh, and it, it makes me sad because uh, I think they should have stuck with their original title, which was what's eating you. Was that really uh, the original title? Of course not. Jonathan, you can't believe anything I say, Ariel. I believe a lot of what you say. You're not a big old liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Well, I usually don't admit it, but you called me out on microphone. So, Um, no, but yeah, this trailer, I I can't figure out if I'm interested in this movie or not. I feel like it's geared toward a different age group than what I'm currently in. Um, Like, I'm not young enough to really resonate with it, Uh, but it it is an interesting premise. It is. I would be more interested if if, I would be more interested in it if it were a zombie story as opposed to a cannibal story, because I feel like there's someone call me on this if I'm wrong, but I feel like one is a choice and another is largely something that happens to you. Well, I think in the movie, the based upon the trailer, it seems like the people who are cannibals really don't have any choice. And like, it's not like they've made an, they, they haven't made a choice. It's just, it's literally how they are. Like they can smell other cannibals, as which well, is what right? made me wonder if it was like a supernatural zombie-esque type yeah. thing. I, I think they're just kind of avoiding explaining the mechanics behind it. it they just exist kind of like how in Highlander, you've got the quickening. It's just a thing that happens. Okay. 
uh, it doesn't you don't really have an explanation for it until you get to later movies that totally ruin the franchise. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you want a movie or a book, because the, the, the movie I'm about to reference is based off a book and the book is fantastic. If you want a book where it's set in a world where there's this sort of cannibal zombie issue there and it makes you think differently about the whole thing. Uh, I recommend The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm. Uh, phenomenal book. I, I actually haven't seen the film adaptation, but the book is great. And it's a very quick read. I've heard, I've heard good things about that. So that's, yeah, I'll definitely have to look at that one. I don't know if I'm going to watch Bones at all. It might be too scary. <laughs> Something that I know Ariel's not going to look at. <laughs> is Cabinet of Curiosities, the Guillermo del Toro series, uh, where you have different people coming together to tell spoopy stories, uh, some of which look like they're going to be quite graphic in nature as far as uh, gore and violence are concerned. Yeah, so that's the thing. I I like Twilight Zone. I even like some Guillermo del Toro. Uh, like, I, I love Pan's Labyrinth, right? I liked Shape of Water was also him. So, like, there's certainly some he's good at storytelling and he's good at scary in a way that I think is thought provoking, but um, yeah, it looks like it might be a little much for me. I like, I like the casting. It's another all-star cast. There's definitely like some people are like, Oh, they got that person for this uh, show. And it looks like some interesting stories, but it does like a little too close to like scary stories you tell in the dark. <laughs> um, it, it's, there's at least one that's a direct adaptation of an HP Lovecraft short story called Pikmin's model. Yeah. Uh, so that, that one is like they, and people have been talking about Del Toro being involved with uh, a Lovecraftian stuff for ages because Del Toro is, is a huge Lovecraft fanboy when it comes to those kinds of monsters. Mm -hmm. Uh, he really loves those, which you can tell if you watch any of his stuff, you can see Lovecraft's influence. Uh, so I think it looks like it's incredibly well produced. I agree. Uh, and I am eager to see it and uh, write up a synopsis for Ariel. Yes, since it's an anthology, what you can do is you can tell me the episodes that are less gory and those are the ones that I'll watch or less um, viscerally upsetting. Um <laughs> Yeah, I will do my best because, yeah, I, I, I think I got a good handle on where your threshold mm -hmm. is, but um, I'll try I'll try not to be I'll try not to err too far in either direction. Yeah. I, I do appreciate things like Cabinet of Curiosities and what we've heard House of Usher will be as well, where you can take some scary stuff. And because it's anthology, I can still dabble in it. You know, I can pick stuff that maybe I think will be for me without watching the entire series and feel like I'm missing out. So hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that I, I mean, I don't know if I'll watch this um, because I don't know if I will think it's worth watching, but is uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's film adaptation, which is thought to probably come out sometime next year. We now know that um, that Emma Tammy is directing this. Mm -hmm. um, she's directed some episodes of Into the Dark. Um, and a couple of other things as well. She's also been a producer on various series, but yeah, it's interesting, uh, for her to take on this part, which is, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with five nights at Freddy's, it's a, it's a computer game series, very kind of low fi computer game series where you take on the part of, uh, typically you're an employee 
of this showbiz pizza slash uh, Chuck E. Cheese kind of place. And it's your job to make sure that the the animatronic figures don't run around and rampage because it turns out they like to eat people. Uh, so you use these various game mechanic things to keep an eye on what's going on and prevent them from getting you essentially is what it turns into. And uh, you might say, huh, that sounds like that Nicolas Cage movie that came out not too Willy's long ago. Wonderland? Where, yeah, where he didn't talk at all. Uh, and you, you'd be right. That was very much obviously inspired by the five nights at Freddy's games. It was not officially a five nights at Freddy's adaptation, but it, there's no way it wasn't influenced by that. Also terrible movie. Don't watch it. I was about to ask if you watched it, but I, I remember you talked about like, if you want to watch a Nick Cage movie, watch Mandy, which is very scary and gory from what I understand. Oh yeah. Um, No, Mandy, Mandy is like ridiculously violent. It's got a lot of, um, uh, uh, like hallucinogenic kind of imagery in it because there's there's a whole storyline about hallucinating. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's Mandy is like a work of art, and the Wonderland film or whatever it was was absolute garbage. See, now I'm I'm surprised that you aren't interested in this Five Night at Freddy's adaptation because Jim Henson's Creature Shop is working on it. That okay, yeah, that part does have me interested in the creature work, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to see what they create because i know it'll be spectacular yeah but that doesn't mean the like again i shouldn't be so dismissive clue again was a movie based off a board game that has next to no story whatsoever i should not be so dismissive about an adaptation of a computer game series it's just that like while i know there's some lore at the five nights of freddy's franchise Mm -hmm. the actual games have very there's not much of a story to them at all. I, and I maybe like that's the, what's got me balking. I feel like the latest video, because again, or the latest game, which came out in the last couple of years, it was, again, huge on TikTok when it came out, has a little bit more of a storyline, but I've never played them because it's all it's all about the jump shock scare, and that's not for me in a video game. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, it, that's what it's all about, is like you're focusing really carefully on the game and then you get a jump scare which just makes it more effective because you were Mm -hmm. you were focusing so hard when the thing jumps out at you that it scares the heck out of you if if i'm gonna play a game with jump scares i'm just gonna go back to the old classic eternal darkness ah it's a good game um is that the one that messes with you by telling you that things like your volume on your tv is starting to go or like you'll have a bug crawling across your screen but it looks like a real bug crawling across your screen or like it'll be like reboot and it hasn't actually yeah. rebooted, but it looks like it rebooted your entire system. Right, right. That was for the one of the Nintendo systems. That was a brilliant game. Yeah, because it messed with you. It messed with your character in game. So there are definitely things you had to deal with in game. And then it messed with you as a player out of games. At Halloween time, uh, back before all of my friends had kids, we used to all gather at somebody's house, drink pink drinks, uh, eat pizza, and watch somebody play through Eternal Darkness. Dude. <laughs> Oh, gosh, man, you're getting an insight into the party girl history of one Ariel Caston. There was one year we couldn't find it. So we like searched through every single GameStop to find a used version of it so that we could play it last minute. Um, I can't tell you how many times the cops were called out on Ariel for having a party that was so out of control. I mean, that that is me, Ariel, uh, extrovert party girl Caston. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get some pink drinks pizza and play some 
outdated Nintendo <laughs> titles. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it was Nintendo. It might have been. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think it had to be. I think Eternal. I think it only came out for the like GameCube or something, but I might be. It wrong. might be GameCube. You're right. That, that might be my confusion. Um, OK, we have one last trailer we want to talk about because this episode's going a little bit long. Not too long, but a little bit long. Uh, and that is there is a Christmas uh, shoot 'em up movie coming out called Violent Night. I find we're going to go into what it is, but I, I just need to preface this with I find it a I'm using in my own psyche because the trailer for this movie looks like so much fun while the last season's shoot 'em up Santa movie fat man absolutely did not appeal to me at all. Yeah. This one was giving me flashbacks to the fake uh, movie within a movie in Scrooged. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the night the reindeer died or something like that. I think that's what they called it. But yeah, it, it it's it's applying a lot of like action movie type stuff to this <clears throat> to this uh holiday thing with uh David Harbour, friend of the show, David Harbour playing Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, if you speak it it'll happen. Uh <laughs> I I have met him twice, so I'm going to call it. <laughs> nice. Rockin'. David Harbour, friend of the show. Yeah, it feels to me like Die Hard, which is a great Christmas movie. Shut up, Jonathan. Uh <laughs> It's mm, okay. <laughs> Listen, it's for the purpose of this this explanation. Okay? Mm-hmm. I know you don't think mm-hmm. it's a you don't have to shut up. I know you don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. We fought about it before. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Die Hard meets Home Alone meets Last Action Hero meets the Santa Claus. Santa maybe. Claus. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think this movie, I think what it is, is in the trailer, there is a young girl who kind of is like Santa's sidekick by accident. And because this young girl is rooting for Santa, even though Santa's just blowing up bad guys, it cuts some of the edge of just being a malicious shoot 'em up movie with a Santa. There's also, I, I think there's also a touch of bad Santa in there too, right? Because you've got David Harbour's Santa Claus is clearly burned out on being Santa. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a, the opening of the trailer has him sitting at a bar yeah, drinking like whiskey and talking about starting the whole Santa thing. And, and, uh, cause he's, he's, yeah, he's saying things that are true, but other people are just taking as jokes, like being funny jokes. Cause he's yeah. dressed as Santa. Um, and that it feels very bad. Santa, it, not nearly as crude as bad Santa is, I hope but not. kind of, kind of that same sort of, uh, of, of slant to it, mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, yeah, I, thought the trailer looked great. I love David Harbour's work. Me too. I think he's I think he's a incredibly entertaining actor. Uh so I am I am down with this 100%. Yeah. And he's got a lot of experience melding action um like high energy action with comedy. If you look at Hellboy, if you look at Stranger Things. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think it's perfect casting. Um he's also really good with kids. So I I think like perfect person to play a badass Santa. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I can't wait to see that one. That mm-hmm. one is uh, is way up on my list of films. Like there are a couple of movies that are coming out where I might venture out to the theater. Like I've only done that once since the pandemic, and that was for a movie that really I don't. In retrospect, I don't think I needed to go see in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, which was whatever that one was with the the house with the secret basement thing. And now I can't even remember what the title of the movie is. That's how unrememorable it was. Barbarian. That was it. Yeah. Um, I was very disappointed in barbarian. Uh, 
I thought I thought the performances were great, but otherwise I was disappointed in that movie. The the two that I'm looking at being released within the next few months that I really think I'll go and see Wakanda forever. One hundred percent. I I can't imagine not going to see it because it just looks like it's going to be a very powerful experience. Yes. Um, and then Violent Night being another one. I, I think I'll have to watch. I'll have to get a group of friends to go to Violent Night. I have been to the theater a few times. Sometimes it's not worth it. I saw Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder at the theater. Um, and I also saw Bullet Train. But all of those, we waited until it had been out a little bit. And then we picked a showing in a theater at a time when there was nobody there. So, you know, and we we didn't talk about Bullet Train, but that's a movie that's got a whole lot of controversy around it because it's based off a Japanese uh, storyline. And there were a lot of accusations about the film whitewashing uh, or otherwise removing Japanese actors from consideration oh, I, for that movie. I hadn't heard about that. That's really sad because it oh, was yeah. a very entertaining movie. I was about to ask if you what you thought, because like the I saw the reviews were pretty middling, but I have not I, seen the movie before knowing this before knowing this drum, but th- this controversy, because um, mm. I saw it not knowing. Um, I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought it was a lot of fun. There definitely was a, a wide range of casting and there there were a couple of of Asian actors in it, but. The, the majority of the cast wasn't Asian unless like the majority of the main characters weren't Asian. I would say they kind of came right, from right. all over um, in the story. It made sense. Uh, so it wasn't like uh, in uh, Remo Williams where they cast Joel Gray as an Asian man. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, so they had a Russian still love that movie, but man, like they had a Russian person. Bad bunny played a, a, a Latino character. Zazie played a German. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple of people who played Russian. There are a couple of people who were British. Um, there are a couple of people who are American. Um, I would not have known if you hadn't told me because I thought it was a very fun movie. I I didn't know anything about it till I literally came across a clip uh, today. I think actually, or maybe it was last night, where I came across a clip from the movie and didn't. I was like, I hadn't even heard of this. Because, of course, I'm completely out of the loop. I don't get commercials anymore, so I don't see when things are coming out unless I'm doing research for the show. And um, I thought, oh, well, this is kind of an interesting thing. And it immediately made me think of the film Smoke and Aces, which should have been way more entertaining than what it was. That movie is not good, y'all, but it is about a bunch of assassins all descending uh, to try and take out the same target at the same time. So it's kind of like it has some similarities to Bullet Train, not exactly the same mm. thing, but it, it means that you have a bunch of scenes where you have assassins trying to take each other out, which is similar to Bullet Train. Yeah. And uh, uh, but yeah, Smoke and Aces can't recommend it. Uh, apart from there's one sequence in a hotel room that's both uh, gross and hilarious. Good to know. Uh, I don't like gross so i'll probably forego the hilarious too <laughs> i mean it's mm, i'll tell you about it off off mic okay okay <laughs> uh well that's all of the outdated news we got for you and not all of it's outdated you know doom patrol obviously was new and the netflix the blockbuster trailer for netflix netflix trailer for blockbuster mm-hmm. that thing the 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 thing about the one video renting company that was killed by a different video renting company yep. 
that that one. one. Those are all new. Um, thank you for sticking with us. We hope you had a lovely nap or a lovely time uh, commiserating with our opinions. Uh, if you have a scary movie mashup that you would like us to do this uh, spoopy season, or if you have your own opinions on the news we talked about, please write us and tell us. Yes, and keep in mind that when you want to do mashups, uh, the more different the two mashed up things are, typically the better it is. Like if you were to say, can you mash up, you know, Friday the 13th with Halloween? We'd be like, well, that's kind of just a basic okay like that's harder to do than if you're like can you mash up friday the 13th with i don't know the care bears yes we could do that so just keep that in mind but if you want to get in touch with us the best way to do it is on social over on facebook and instagram we're large nerdron collider and over on twitter we're lnc underscore podcast make sure to tag us and if i don't respond punch me because I do watch our social media and I love hearing, we love hearing from you guys and I check it and I share it with Jonathan. Yeah. And if you like the show, tell your friends, uh, review, rate us, share episodes, all that fun stuff, because the more geeks that we have to talk to, the more geeky stuff we can talk about. Yep. And until next time, I am Jonathan glowing like the metal on the edge of a knife Strickland. And I am Ariel hiding under the covers Caston. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. <laughs>